you would take your Bibles right near the end of the Bible is 2 John. It's a little epistle, one chapter long. You find Hebrews, James, 1 and 2 Peter, 1 and 2 3 John. Again, it's right near the end of the Bible, 2 John. I think that uh, those of you that were with us last Sunday, you know we just started a new series of messages on this little letter of 2 John and uh, trusting that God will teach us some things from this. Second John, I'd like us to begin just reading verse 1. There's only one chapter. So Second John chapter 1, verse number 1. We'll read that together, reading it out loud, then we'll have a word of prayer. So let's read verse 1 together. The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth... And not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. Let's pray. Father, again, we're thankful for each one that's here. And Lord, as we continue in this little letter, pray that you would teach us yet something new. Remind us of something that John thought was so important to write. Help it to be as important to us as it was to him. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You remember we said this last week that the writer of this is John. And we know that there's a number of men named John in the scriptures. We know that there's John the Baptist. We know that there's John Mark. And then we know that there is the Apostle John. It's the Apostle John that wrote this. See, well, Pastor, how would you know that? Well, uh, it's uh, notice there the very title, the second epistle general of John. So whatever John wrote this had to have written another book, had to have written another epistle. And so again, John wrote 1 John, he wrote 2 John, 3 John. The same John wrote the Gospel of John. The same John wrote the book of Revelation. And although John doesn't give his name in the text itself, look there again at verse number 1. The elder, John calls himself an elder. In the Bible, elder means one of two things. Either it means older, or it means a respected leader within a church. And you know, by the time the Apostle John wrote this, he was both. He was both older, and he was a respected leader in the church. If you remember, we learned that John wrote it. We learned when he wrote it, late in life. We also looked last week at who he wrote it to. Notice again verse number 1 the elder unto the elect lady and her church. He wrote it to a woman. Wrote it to a woman that had children. We're not given her name. We're not given the city that she lives in. In fact, there's a lot of details that were not given about the lady that received this letter. But uh, as we looked in that message, there was a number of things that we learned. First of all, she was in the Lord's family. She was saved. Secondly, she was a lady. Third, she was loved. And fourth, she accepted leveling. John wrote some things to correct her. And you know, sometimes when you try to help somebody, when you try to point out something that somebody is doing that maybe they shouldn't, not everybody will take that kind of correction. She did. Pastor, what are we looking at today? Well, you know, as I read these first four verses of Second John, there was one word that jumped out five different times. See if you can get it as we read it. Look again at verse 1. The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also they that have known the truth. Verse 2, for the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever, 
Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love, verse 4. I rejoice greatly that I have found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. Anyone guess what the word was? Truth. It shows up five times in four verses. Pastor, what is truth? Well, the word truth is information that's a fact, not just fictitious. Truth is details that are correct, not something that's just been made to conform to new ideas. That word truth is something that's real and it's something that's right. The word truth speaks of something that's legitimate, something that's lawful. And here, uh, John used this word truth five times in four verses. Now, you'd understand when I say this, we're living in a day today where a lot of people don't believe that there is anything that is specifically true. In other words, they will say this, that if it makes you feel good, then for you it is true. This world would say that if the majority of people say that it's okay, then for them it must be true. This world would say that if the influential people of society say that it's right, then for them it's true. I'm, I'm saying to you that the word true and the word truth in our society today is so much in flux. But that is not so in the scriptures. In the scriptures, what God has said, that's true. And whether it makes people feel good or whether it makes people feel lousy, truth is still truth. Whether everybody would sign their name to it or whether everybody would object to it, truth is still truth. So contrary to the society today, truth is not relative. Truth is not selective. Truth is not subjective. It's not that something is true in North America, but over in Africa, it's not true. It's not that something in Europe would be true, but it couldn't be true in Russia. I'm saying to you, truth is, is a stable commodity. And here in these first four verses, John five times uses this word truth, and I would like to put those five in a particular order. My title this morning for you that are taking notes is The Pathway of Truth. The Pathway of Truth. Truth is, again, it's not up for a vote. It's not something that a man or men can decide on. Truth is truth. And, and although some have decided that they don't believe in God, Believing in God or not believing God does not change if it's true. Some folks, when we talk to them, they say, I, I don't believe in life after death. I, I think that when you die, that's it. They bury you and it's all over. Do you know whether somebody believes in life after death or doesn't believe in life after death? If it's true... Their belief or non-belief doesn't change. How many follow where we're going? So truth is 
an exact science. Truth is not a relative thing. And folks, we are living in a day where somebody says, well, maybe you believe that, but I don't believe. It doesn't matter who believes it. If it's true, it's true. So we're going to try to put these five times where this truth shows up in an order so we can learn what the pathway of truth is. Let's start there in verse number three. Now again, I'm, I'm purposely rearranging this order to try to make the best sense of it. There in 2 John chapter 1 and verse 3. There John writes, Grace be with you, mercy and peace. Notice from who? From God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth. I say very first, if you're taking notes, the first of the steps on the pathway of truth is the origination of truth. That verse talks about God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, that that is the source of all truth. Do you know, all truth begins with God because God is truth and truth is God. Truth isn't decided in the classrooms of education. That's not where truth begins. It ought to be that classrooms of education teach the truth, but that's not where truth begins in a classroom. I would say to you that uh, in, uh, in the chambers of parliament, truth doesn't begin in the chambers of parliament. Now, it ought to be that every parliament upholds what's true, but that's not where truth begins. Therefore, if some government or some parliament passes a vote and they vote that such and such is now okay, truth doesn't begin in the parliament. The parliament ought to uphold truth, but truth doesn't begin there. I uh, think of the fact it doesn't begin in classrooms, it doesn't begin in the parliament, it doesn't begin with judges. You know, courtrooms today and judges today are beginning to make decisions that they never would have made before. And judges are coming to conclusions, and people are scratching their head and say, where did that guy come from? Because that never would have been approved, or that never would have been disapproved. I say to you that truth doesn't begin with judges. Judges ought to uphold the truth, and their verdicts ought to be in line with the truth. But that's not where truth begins. Preacher, where does truth begin? It begins with God. God is truth. And truth is God. That's where all truth originates. Again, I say very first thing in this step of the pathway of truth is the origination of truth. Do you know sometimes a Baptist preacher makes statements, and there are people, for that matter, any preacher, but a Baptist preacher makes a statement, and some people in their mind, they say, well, he just made that up. If that Baptist preacher made that up, shame on him. But if he's preaching what the Word of God said is true, 
Your objection isn't with that man behind that pulpit. Your objection is with God because if God said it, it's true. Preacher, where does the Bible say that? I won't have you turn to all these, but Deuteronomy 32.4. He is the rock, his work is perfect, and all his ways are judgment, a God of truth. God is true. I say Psalm 31, verse 5, Into thy hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. Bible says Isaiah 65 and verse 16, that he who blesseth himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth. And he that sweareth in the earth shall swear by the God of truth. Our God is the source of all truth. It not only says that about God the Father, it says that about Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 1, 17. For the law was given by Moses, but uh, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4 and verse 29. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. So God is truth and Jesus is truth. Listen to what it says about the Holy Spirit. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come. 1 John 5 and verse 6 is the spirit there beareth witness because the spirit is truth. I'm saying to you, all truth begins with God. Now, the only way we know the truth of God is from the word of God. And so the word of God is true. Now, I, I know that this is, I know that this is, this is the lower, I understand that most of you understand this. But consistently, this world is coming out with new ideas. And they're saying that this lifestyle is okay now. And they're saying that this is no longer acceptable now. And we that are Bible-believing Christians say, hold on a minute. This book is true. And God is true. And the Spirit of God is true. And the Son of God is true. Pastor, tell me about the pathway of truth. You first have to be convinced that the origination of truth is God. It's where it all begins. I think that for many of us that have been raised on the Word of God, we kind of, our head spins at some of these new things that we're hearing. But I want you to think about lost people who have never been exposed to the Bible, never been exposed to preaching or teaching from the Word of God. To them, this is all normal. To them, they, I don't see what's wrong with that. We'd say you'd have to go to the source of all truth. And that's the Word of God. You can't isolate God from truth. You can't say, I don't believe in God, but this is true. You can't isolate truth from God or God from truth. Psalm chapter 14 and 1, the Bible says, The fool has said in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt. In other words, somebody that rejects God, it's just a matter of time before their life takes a 
turn for the worst, again, I say to you, the first step in the pathway of truth is the origination of truth. Could I give you a second thing? Look there in 2 John chapter 1 and verse 2. 2 John chapter 1 and verse 2, the Bible says, For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us, which dwelleth in us, as soon as you accept the fact that God is true, and all truth comes from God, and all truth comes from the Word of God, we now find the second step on the pathway of truth is the reception of truth. Take notes, that's number two. We've looked at the origination of truth. It all originates with God. You cannot separate God from truth. As soon as you reject God, you reject truth. That's why it says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You become a fool if you reject God in this pathway of truth. But not only do you have to acknowledge that the source of all truth is God, secondly, you have to receive that truth. Look again at verse 2, 2 John chapter 1, verse 2. For the truth's sake which dwelleth in us, it's not enough to acknowledge that God is the source of truth. That's the first step. But you have to receive that truth. And once you receive that truth, then that truth dwelleth in us. Verse number two. How many times have we tried to present the truth to people? They heard it, but they didn't receive it. Folks, truth rejected is like light that's rejected. Light that's rejected becomes darkness. And here, the point that John is making is, okay, you've accepted that God is the source of all truth. But have you received that? How many, how, many, how many times have we given somebody a gospel tract, tried to tell them about a place called heaven and a place called hell, tried to tell them about God and taken a Bible and shown them the verses about God being true? And they say, I don't believe that. You can't go any farther with them until they have a reception of the truth. John said of those who receive the truth, for the truth's sake which dwelleth in us. I think hell will be filled with people who were presented the truth, but they wouldn't receive it. And I know that if you're a Christian, you'll not go to hell, I understand that. But when you are presented with truth, you still have to receive it. Uh, look there, keep your hand in 2 John, look in Acts chapter number 26. Acts chapter 26, and uh, as you turn to that, the Apostle Paul, by this time he had been arrested. Acts chapter number 26. Paul had been arrested and he uh, stood before a number of governors in his day. First he stood before Felix. Then he stood before the replacement of Felix, that was Festus. 
After that, he stood before a king named Agrippa. But look there in Acts chapter 26 and uh, verse number 24. Acts 26 verse 24. For as he, that's Paul, thus spake for himself Festus, that's the governor, said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself much learning doth make thee mad. Now, what had Paul done? Paul gave him the truth. Paul was preaching the truth. Paul was telling this governor Festus, there is a God, and there is a heaven, and there is a hell. There is a salvation that's available because of what Christ has done for you. Festus heard the truth, but he didn't receive the truth. Look at the very next verse when John, uh, sorry, Paul responds after Festus has just said he's a madman. Look at verse 25. But he, Paul, said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. In other words, here's a man that was given the truth, but he wouldn't take it. You say, well, preacher, I would like to know what's true. I would like to pursue this pathway of truth. Well, first you have to acknowledge that all truth comes from God. It's not just that you can find some truth if you go to God. No, God is truth. You have to first accept God is the source of all truth. But then secondly, you have to receive that truth. Not just be presented. Yeah, I've heard about that before. Yeah, but did you receive it? Did you accept it? Did you own it? Because if you did, it's not simply words on deaf ears. That truth actually moves inside of you, and that's why he said back there in 2 John chapter number 1 and verse number 2, for the truth's sake which dwelleth in us. How each person responds to the truth that God has revealed to them is what determines their steps ahead. I know that you have 2 John, look there in Romans 2. Romans chapter 2, I think you'd be amazed how many times the word truth shows up in the scriptures. Romans chapter number 2, very first step is acknowledging that God is the origination of all truth. All starts with God. If God didn't say it, it may not be true. If God said it, you can bank on it. You can take it to the bank, it's true. But after you accept that the origination and truth, it all comes from God, secondly, you have to receive it. Look there in Romans chapter number 2. Romans chapter 2, starting there in verse number 7, to them, talk about a group of people on the earth, to them, who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality. What happens to them? Eternal life. In other words, and you'd have to read it again, but when somebody is presented with truth, they have a choice. They, they can either accept that, and that's what verse 7 is, somebody that's accepting that. They're pursuing it. They're receiving it. They're following it. Look again at Romans 2 and verse 7. To them who by patient continuance in well-doing. So they've been taught something is right, something's wrong, something is good, something's bad, something is well, something, and they've made a decision, I want to pursue that which is well. Keep reading verse 7. 
To them who by patience, uh, sorry, patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, well, to them it's eternal life. That's at the end of that path. Verse 8 is the contrary. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, uh, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, there's two choices. One, when you're presented with truth, you can accept it. You can receive it. I think in every one of our Christian lives, no sooner did we get saved than the Word of God or a teacher of the Word of God or a preacher of the Word of God or just another Christian who believed God's Word probably somewhere sat down with us and said, maybe up to this point in your life, you thought this was okay, whatever this was. But let me show you what the Word of God says. And if you were teachable, you sat down as they opened up the Scriptures, and you might have said, I have never heard of that in my life. No one has ever showed me that in my entire, whatever about morality, uh, about music, about modesty. I'm running out of M's. I, I, I don't know, what it, whatever it was. And for the first time, he said, I had no idea. Okay, what are you going to do with it? It's one thing to hear it, but what are you going to do with it? And I think that many of us in our Christian life has a testimony. Boy, I was, uh, don't be offended with this. When I got saved, I was dumb as a rock, spiritually. I had no idea what was right, what was wrong. But as God's systematic began to show me, I took it. Listen, folks, I'm old-fashioned King James. I haven't always been that. I believe in old-fashioned morals. I haven't always believed in that. And one step at a time, as God, who is the source of all truth, began to show something. I had a choice. Forget it or I see that. First thing is the origination of truth. Second thing is the reception of truth. I know you're in Second John. Look, they were in John, the Gospel of John chapter 18. Gospel of John chapter 18. Now, not everybody that's presented with truth receives it. Some become very violent. <laughs> I don't want to see it. Don't, don't show it to me. John chapter 18. John chapter 18, Jesus has been arrested. Now he is standing before Pilate. He first stood before uh, several of the high priests of that day, Annas and Caiaphas. They finally paraded Jesus Christ off to Pilate. And Pilate begins to ask Jesus some questions. And he comes to this question. Look there in John chapter 18 and uh, verse number 33. John chapter 18 and verse 33. Uh, the Bible says, uh, Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? So Pilate's asked, Are you indeed the king of the Jews? Pilate asked Jesus that same question a second time. Look there in verse 37. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? So Pilate is 
is asking questions. That's always a good thing. But look there, if you would, how Jesus answered in the last part of verse 37. Jesus answered, thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Notice that word showed up, truth. In other words, Pilate says, are you a king? Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus acknowledges that he is. And he said, this is why I came into the world, verse 37, I came into the world to bear witness unto the truth. I came to tell this world what's true and how they could find truth and to whom they'd have to go to get truth. Look at the very end of verse 37. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. So Jesus has underlined this fact that truth comes from God, truth comes from the Son of God. Well, now Pilate has a choice. What's he going to do? He's just heard from Jesus' lips, yes, he is a king. Yes, he's come to manifest the truth to this world. Is he going to receive it? Is he going to reject it? Well, look at the next verse, John chapter 18, verse 38. Pilate saith unto him, what is truth? No, notice he didn't say what is the truth. Pilate said, what is truth? It's like Pilate saying, what is truth? He's being cynical. He's not taking a step closer to Christ and saying, what is the truth? Tell me. Show me. Say, Pastor, how do you know that he's being cynical about truth? Look at the rest of the verse, John 18, 38. John chapter 18 and verse 38, and when he had said this, he said, what, what, is, the tr what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find in him no fault. I'll notice, Jesus, who is truth, is standing before Pilate. And Pilate said, are you a king? And he said, yes. He said, the reason I came to this earth was to manifest what's true. Pilate said, what is truth? And he no sooner finishes that question than he turns around and he walks out. You know what? He wasn't interested in truth. It sounded like it from his question, but he had no interest in finding out truth. I'm saying to you the second step in this pathway of truth, first step is acknowledging that God is the origination for all truth. But the second step is receiving it, and he didn't receive it. I say to you that there are many people that have been presented with the truth. How many people have we talked to? You try to talk to somebody about the Lord, and they raise some kind of a question. And we say to them, could, 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 I, could I show you the answer to that question? Not interested. <laughs> Wait, I haven't even, let me show it. No. It's ground. The second step on this pathway to truth is the reception of truth. I give you a third thing. Back there, if you would, to 2 John. 2 John, again, chapter 1 and uh, verse number 1. 2 John, chapter 1 and verse 1. The Bible says, The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known 
the truth. Say, preacher, I can look to a day, look to an hour where I trusted Christ as my Savior. I received the truth of salvation. Good for you. But you know, salvation is not the only truth that God wants to impart to you. There's all kinds of truth. God has all, all, God is, of course, truth, but God has truth about living, and God is truth about the home, and God is truth about the family, and God is truth about uh, spiritual lives, and God is tr- God, God's truth is just a smorgasbord of things. It's not just salvation. So after a person acknowledges that all truth begins with God, and after a person receives that truth, well, now it's the rest of your life growing in that truth. Third thing, if you're taking notes, the third thing is the cultivation of truth. The cultivation of truth. Preacher, I know I'm saved. What more do you want? That's what more God wants. He wants you to learn that book from cover to cover because that book is truth. And here again in 2 John chapter 1, the end of verse number 1, John talks about people that have known the truth. It's not just, I got saved, that's it. No, no, there is so much more than salvation in the Word of God. If you're saved, that's a wonderful thing, but that's just the start. I'm saying to you the third step, say, Pastor, I I know that God is the source of all truth. It's not from God. It's not true. Pastor, I have received that truth. When someone presented to me the truth of the gospel, I received that. Okay, but are you now growing in the truth? Are you learning more? You know what? I, I pastored, what, almost 33 years. We have a lot of missionaries that stay at her home. And I just love to talk to missionaries and preachers and evangelists. You say, Pastor, why? I just like learning from what they've learned. And honestly, some have learned a lot and they're miles ahead. I could sit there all day, all night. And some, they just don't want to talk about spiritual things. It's a sad commentary. There's a lot of Christians that don't want to talk about spiritual things. I don't want to go that way. Let's talk about sports. Let's talk about weather. Let's talk about the economy. Let's talk about Trudeau. Yeah, but that's not going to help you in the pathway of truth. Remember, one particular missionary talked to him from about nine in the evening till three the next morning. And finally at three the next morning, he gave me a truth from the Word of God. That was worth the whole night. What I'm talking about, this pathway of truth, first of all, it's acknowledging that God is the source of all truth. It originates with God. Secondly, it's receiving that truth. But third, it's growing. It's learning more. It's finding more what God has for you to know. Obviously, to do that, you're going to have to spend time in the Word of God. To grow in truth would require regular reading of the Word of God. You'd have to read it regular. There ought to be time every day, day after day, where you stop your world and get into the Word of God. Paul said to Timothy, give attendance to reading. 
Jesus said, search the scriptures, for they are they which testify of me. But not only reading. The Bible talks about meditating. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. You'd have to be a preacher to understand this, but we don't just flop it open, read a verse, say, oh, yeah, point one, point two. No, no, no. It, it takes time. It takes time to read that and think through that. And sometimes, I just have to be honest, I think I'm slower than most, but I'll start getting ready for the next message. And God, I, I, I know there's something in there, but I have no idea what's in there. Help me. So I'll read that verse before I go to bed at night because I wake up a number of times in the night just think, that's meditating. Pastor, I want to cultivate the truth. I want to grow in what I know about truth. I want to learn more truth. You're going to have to read the Bible. Now, if I can be mean just for a minute, some of you have all kinds of time to be on Internet but you have no time to read the Bible. Some of you have all kinds of time to read any kind of tabloid, but you have no time to read the Bible. Some of you have all kinds of time to watch every kind of a sport, but you have no time to read the Bible. Shame on you. Shame on you. Say, Pastor, you're, you're getting mean. You are putting aside the source of truth that will help you to grow for what? A hockey game? I'm not preaching as a hockey game. If you're faithful to the Word of God, and that's a sideline, but for some, it's that sport that's become the central thing. There is no reason that you can't every day spend time in the Word of God. Read it, read it, read it. Because that's the third step on this pathway of truth. Recognizing the origination of all truth is God. Receiving that truth, cultivating that truth. I'm saying it's going to require you to read the Word of God. It's going to require you to meditate upon the Word of God. You know, it's admirable that you believe that God's the source of all truth and yet you receive it. But have you grown from it? We know that we've had a lot of little children born lately. What a blessing, each one. Do you know that little child, when it's first brought into this world, it is given a steady diet of milk. That's natural. But you know when a child begins to grow, there comes a place where it's going to need more than just milk to grow. The Bible says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So if you're just saved, there are some subjects in the Bible that you are going to naturally gravitate to. If I could say this, they are milk subjects in the word of God. How to get saved. One day we're going to heaven. Those are, folks, those are very basic milk subjects of the word of God. But you're going to have to go on from there. As a child grows, it, it, it starts eating bed, it, he, she, starts eating vegetables and starts eating bread and soon eats meat. After a while, that's all they eat. I'm saying there is a growth factor where it has to get beyond the milk. 
and in your understanding of the Word of God, is it all just milk? Is that all that you're able to handle? Is that all that you have an interest in? The longer that we're saved, we have need of something that's more solid than milk. How surprised the writer of Hebrews he said, when for the time, in other words, as long as you've been saved, when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again of the first principles of the oracles of God. I give you a fourth step. Look there in 2 John chapter 1. We're looking at the pathway of truth, the origination of truth. It all comes from God. Secondly, the reception of truth. No truth will help you until you receive it. Third thing, the cultivation of truth I gave you four things. Second John chapter 1, verse 1. The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. I already said this last week. There was nothing shady about John and this woman. There was nothing, nothing, there was nothing spotty. There was, there, no. But John loved this woman. Notice he said, whom I love in the truth. Do you know as you are taking these steps on the pathway of truth, as you are learning more of what God says is true, as you are receiving more of what God says is true, that's the crowd of people that you're going to want to be around. Fourth thing, if you're taking notes, that we notice about this pathway of truth is the communion around truth. Isn't it true that uh, you can tell a great deal about what's happening inside a person by the company they prefer to be with? If you believe the Bible in our hands is the perfect word of God, you'll want a company with other people that believe that. And quite honestly, you'll feel uncomfortable around those that are constantly correcting the word of God. Do you know if you uh, believe that Christians should lift, listen to Christian music, and not rap, and not rock, and not contemporary Christian music, you will search out the company of other Christians that listen to Christian music. Because you'll be uncomfortable around Christians who listen to worldly music. Do you know that uh, if you believe that getting out the gospel to sinners is important, you will enjoy the company of other Christians that believe the same thing. And you'll be uncomfortable on Christians that see no need for that. If you believe that cussing and drinking and smoking and partying is to be avoided, then you will seek the company of those that don't cuss and that don't drink and that don't part. That's the company. Now, look again at verse 1, because we're talking about truth. It says there, the elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. You know what John said? John said this. John said, I love truth. And ma'am, he's writing to a woman. Ma'am, it's so obvious that you love truth too. He said, I just, be, I just love being around you. I just enjoy your company because you love the truth and I love the truth we find ourselves in the same company. He said, not only do I love you because you love the truth and I love the truth. Look at the rest of verse number one again. The elder unto the elect lady and her children 
whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. He said, not only do I enjoy your company, because I love the truth. Every bit of Bible truth that I can get my hands on, give it to me. And you're just like that. He said, well, I'll tell you what, I love you in the truth. There was nothing, there was nothing immoral about what he was saying. He's saying, I love to be around the crowd that loves God's word. And he said, not just me. He said, others that know the truth love you just the same. You know, the fourth thing that we find on this pathway of truth, the more truth that you learn and you receive, that's the crowd that you want to be with. And it speaks a great deal about what crowd you prefer to be with. We say, fourth, we're learning about the consolation about anyone in the truth. Do you know, uh, sorry, that, uh, the communion around the truth. And uh, he commended this lady. He said, I thoroughly enjoy being with you. I give you the last thing, Second John chapter 1 and verse 4. 2 John chapter 1 and verse 4, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. I don't know if John was married. I think he was. But I couldn't prove that. I know that if John's own children walked in the truth, how he would rejoice, we that have children, we that have children that are no longer little ones and now maybe they're big ones. Doesn't it thrill our hearts when our children choose of their own volition to walk the way of God? They kind of have to when they're four. They kind of have to when they're eight. But you know, when they get to be 18 and 20 and 22, there comes a place where you can't make them love God anymore. How many are with me so far? You want them to, but you can't make them. You can't make them walk the pathway of truth. But if your children or child decided that, boy, you'd be thrilled. You'd rejoice in that. I wonder if John was married... And I wonder if John had his own children. I wonder if all of his children walked in truth. Maybe they didn't. And yet he could still say, verse 4, 2 John 1, verse 4, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. I give you the last thing. The consolation about anyone in the truth. You know, when you are walking this pathway of truth, you started by recognizing God's the source of all truth. You know that. If God said it, it's true. The second step on that pathway is receiving truth. As you were presented with truth, you had a choice to reject or receive. You received it. That's the second step. 
The third step is growing in that truth. Not just stopping with that salvation truth, but continually in the Word of God, learning more truth and learning more truth. As you continue this pathway of truth, you enjoy the company of others that are walking that same path. Boy, when you find another Christian that loves the Word of God, boy, you and them are best buddies. <laughs> when you find another Christian who believes that Bible's perfect, you're comrades. When you find another Christian that's trying to get the gospel out, boy, you just like spending time. That's the fourth step. You know what the fifth step is? When you find somebody else, in this case, somebody else's children, that are walking the pathway of truth, you're just rejoicing in them. Even if your children aren't, it's a thrill that somebody else's children are. I enjoy being in a church where God's lifted up. And it doesn't have to be the church that I'm a part of. I enjoy hearing about some lost soul that gets saved. Even if I wasn't the one that led them to Christ. John said, because this pathway of truth is so important to me, whenever I find somebody else, anybody else that's walking down this path, I rejoice in them. You know, we, we sang this song this morning, Count Your Blessings, Name Them One by One. That's a great song. I think you'll be honest, sometimes it's difficult to count your blessings. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it seems like the whole world is against you. When that's true, you know what you learn from verse 4? If you can't count your blessings, why don't you count someone else's blessings? Why don't you just rejoice that God is showing himself strong to them? You know, sometimes we've had here at Golden Plains great services. Sometimes we have. Sometimes we've just had services. Hey, Pastor, how do you keep a positive attitude about that? When I hear about another church who's had a great service. Sometimes we see folks get saved. Sometimes there's a stretch of time where no one's getting saved. Pastor, how do you keep a good attitude about that? Rejoice when you hear about somebody who got saved somewhere else. I say to you that there is a consolation about somebody else that's still walking this pathway of truth. How about you? If you come to the place that all truth comes from God, so it doesn't matter what the world says, it doesn't matter what tomorrow's newspaper says, it doesn't matter what Parliament now approves of, you come to the place where you believe all truth comes from God. Secondly, not only you know that, but you receive that truth that comes from God, the reception of truth. Not only that, but you are cultivating truth. You're not just stopping at being saved, but you are constantly on the hunt for God to show you more. Fourth, that's the crowd of people that you are trying to associate yourself with. You're not interested in being around the drinking crowd and the partying crowd. 
and the cussing crowd and the God-denying crowd and the Scripture continuing. You know, that's, that's not your crowd. They'll, they'll be out there until we're taken on. They'll, they, we can't change this world. But is the crowd that's the closest to you, is that the crowd that walks in truth? And then when you come to times in your Christian life where maybe everything for you isn't top shelf, why don't you look around at someone else and see how God is blessing in their life and rejoice. Look again at verse 4, 2 John 1 verse 4. 2 John chapter 1, verse 4, John said, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. Do you know a mature Christian rejoices when a child takes a step of baptism, even if it's not their child that takes a step of baptism? A mature Christian rejoices when any teen makes spiritual choices, even if it's not their teen that makes spiritual choices. I say to you, a mature Christian rejoices when any church has a great meeting. I, I, I was talking to some preachers this week who called me, talked about a great meeting out there in Montreal this past week. You know, as I listened to that, one side of me thought, well, I sure wish that was here this past week. But I rejoice that God blessed another church this past week. I'm saying to you the fifth step in the pathway of truth is the consolation about anyone in truth. Do you know the history books tell us back in 1805 that uh, many of you would recognize Napoleon, he was a French emperor, that he had one of his generals, his name was Messina. He appeared with 18,000 soldiers at an Austrian town. So these people in this Austrian town one morning wake up and there are 18,000 French soldiers that are surrounding their city. And a lot of them at that moment were very discouraged. The town council was just about ready to surrender their village to this enemy army. And one of the men in that Austrian town said, no, no, hold on a minute. He said, this is Easter weekend. He said, we always have a special service to rejoice in what God did on the cross of Calvary on Easter weekend. So before we surrender to this enemy, how about we just have our regular church service, thank God for what he did 2,000 years, or I guess 1,800 years ago. Why don't, why don't we do that? And the enemy, Messina, this general, he said, yeah, we'll let you do that. The very first thing that these Austrian Christians did was they went to their church and they started ringing their bell. That was just the first thing they did on that big Easter celebration of what Christ did. Well, all 18,000 soldiers didn't hear this old man in that church saying, why don't we just celebrate Easter weekend? So many of the 18,000 soldiers, when they heard this bell of the church ringing, they assumed that the Austrians had some reinforcements that came to help them fight against the French. And those French soldiers began to run for their lives. And all these Christians did was, looks like a tough situation we're in, Looks like it's impossible. 
But why don't we rejoice in all that God has done? Your situation might look impossible. But you know that the pathway to truth, that pathway recognizes all truth begins with God. Secondly, it receives that truth that God has given. Two, it cultivates more truth. It tries to find all truth from God that can forth. It circles itself with like-minded people who love the truth too. And then that fifth step. It just rejoices in what God has done, even if God hasn't done it for me. God's still a good God. Let's pray. Father, we have tried to follow five times where this word truth shows up in 2 John. And Lord, it's the word that's used more than any other word in this little letter. Truth, truth, truth. Father, we have been reminded that all truth begins with God. We cannot separate God from truth. Lord, once we recognize all truth comes from God, then we have to receive it. We have to accept the truth that God's given. Third, once we've accepted that, trust Christ as our Savior, that truth is in us, then we have to cultivate more truth. We have to learn more. We have to ask God to open our hearts and our minds that God would show us more truth. Lord, as we continue down this pathway of truth, it'll become obvious that it indeed is dwelling in us and changing us because that's the same kind of people that we'll want to be around. We're going to be one around, be be around people that are saved and people that love God's word. Then, Lord, we've seen at the very last step, we'll just always find something to rejoice in. It might not be what God is doing in our life right now. It might be what God's doing in someone else's life. It might be what God's doing in the children of someone else's life. We don't know whether John's children walked with God. But Lord, we sure do know that John rejoiced in this woman's children who walked with God. Help us always to rejoice, God, in what you're doing, even if you're not doing it in our lives.